Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. A fine Saturday matinee to you, gentlemen. Uh, Steve, Andy, hello. Good morning, good morning. Hello, hello, hello. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Did you give up? Did you run out of runway? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Good morning. Oh. oh well. <laughs> is it? Is it really? You guys, I'm so behind on everything. I my whole plan after last week's Saturday matinee was to leave immediately and go see Deadpool. I have not seen Deadpool. What? I was not able to see Deadpool. Um, and so, and this one, like you, Steve, I, I've seen all the trailers, but I'm on a media blackout, so I am I am unspoiled. I know, I, I'm pretty sure you both have seen Solo now. I have not seen Solo. Uh, that's this afternoon. I, I don't know what we're going to even talk about today. Wow, you are way <laughs> uh, behind. So Actually, I haven't, se- I haven't seen Deadpool either. Oh my gosh, okay. I know, I know. <laughs> And I've but had I, a busy yeah. social calendar. I, I had a graduation party that we hosted last Saturday, had another one to attend in the late afternoon. And then uh, my brother was in town and we said, let's go see Deadpool 2. And one of my daughter's uh, guy friends was, uh, he sort of lived near the theater we were going to. And I was like, dude, you want to go with us? And he's like, yeah, awesome. So three of us headed out, had a great time. The best part was the, 
right before the movie started, one of the managers came in. He said, hey, everybody, uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for coming to tonight's screening of Wolverine. And then he... <laughs> <laughs> but th- what I had never heard before was he re- clarified. He said, you know, this is a Deadpool movie. It is extremely violent and inappropriate so we greatly encourage those of you that may have brought children to reconsider whether they should be here for this film so we're encouraging you to to leave now we can refund you or get you tickets for something else or if at any point in this movie you realize whoops i made a big mistake come see us at the at the office and we'll get you tickets for something else love that wow that yes, was nice i, I, I really did anybody leave that. no it was it was an 8 30 show and i looked around and there there weren't any there weren't any kids, so Good. I was thought, oh, okay. Wow. There were, you know, I thought maybe young kids. It's you know eight thirty. That movie's not going to get out to eleven. That's way past their bedtime. But then I thought, well, if you're bringing your kid to Deadpool, you probably don't care about what their bedtime might be. So, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'd never had that experience before where they really encourage people to make smart parenting choices. Not like JJ's uh, experience in Sweden. No, oh my gosh. <laughs> That was so brilliant. <laughs> and they did it in Swedish and English. Yes. Uh, uh, the, where the the theater owners, if you didn't see the post in the community uh, theater, or the theater managers come out and they say, say something in Swedish, and then they say in English, for all you English speakers here, welcome to another mother effing Deadpool movie. Don't be a D and leave your trash in the seats when you leave. Also, please don't shh beep any in here enjoy the movie uh which i love uh i just love what are we gonna do with us do i have to put the profanity warning in front of quotes for the sat mat are we is this can we pro, can we be profane in the sat mat is that our policy i don't remember you can do whatever you want you're the one that has to clean it up and edit it if you well want this doesn't do go through itunes it. yeah this doesn't go through oh iTunes. yeah you That's can right. do whatever you want Oh, all right. Well, then he says, welcome to another motherfucking Deadpool movie. Don't be a dick and leave your trash in the seats when you leave. Also, please don't shit in here. <laughs> the movie. It's so much better when you can swear. I just It's such a strange thing to say. I would love to see a Swedish person just saying that at the start of a movie. I'd love to see an American like theater person saying that. It's like, yeah. what? Oh, my. Uh, delights me. Well, the only thing I've heard about Deadpool, which I know is already spoiled, is that the it's the uh, that it's great uh, by and large, but the post credit stuff is pure genius. That's what that's what I've heard. Yeah, Steve, Steve, you have to answer that one. <laughs> I I enjoyed that it it writes it writes wrongs that it, have been done in the universe. It, it does it does many entertaining things. It it is a Deadpool movie. It it you know it's okay. it's breaking forth while all over the place. It's just a very self aware film, and they they really own it in this one. So yeah, I I don't want to tell you more. I want you to just go in fresh right. and and have a great time with that one. All right. Uh, what else have you guys seen? Anything else good? I've been playing catch up on a lot of. Uh... A lot of movies I missed, mostly a lot of horror movies uh, from the last couple years. I've been catching up on the Insidious franchise, on the Conjuring franchise. I watched Ouija. I watched The Purge, getting ready to start that franchise. So, you know, it's it's been a good time. And it's I keep having to kick the kids out when they walk through. Get out of here. You're not allowed to be in here right now. <laughs> like, Dad, it's Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> Go outside. Just remember to close the garage door. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome great parenting yes and, that's right well and now you guys have to suffer through that because you have your kids are out of school already which is amazing to me yeah, yeah they, my kids... they're the ones who have to suffer because they have to go play outside in the awful heat yeah it's like 170 degrees <laughs> not yet yeah. give it give it another it's only three it's only 150 right now yeah no see i don't have to worry my, i've got a 17 year old and a 15 year old so i don't have to really worry about that i started watching uh my youngest uh she wanted to watch the oa so we're, we're starting into that netflix series um and uh yeah so i there's very few things she did want to watch she did ask if she could watch altered carbon and that is not oh. really appropriate for a 15 year old because there's just lots of inappropriate things that i'm just not comfortable letting her watch right now with sex i haven't even heard of that movie uh, it's based on show. a it's based on a trilogy of books. 
Huh. And it's an interesting it's an interesting concept when you've got a character. It's sort of like a noir story of a a guy who's hired to solve the murder of of somebody in the future. But you know, it's sort of detective. So he's always you know, there's always you know naked women that he's having sex with. And because it's you know Netflix, it's it's sort of the HBO <laughs> thing of like we'll just push the line and be as graphic as we want to with this. And it's to me not necessary. So it's like your so. daughter saying, "Hey, Dad, can I watch Game of Thrones?" It's that. Yeah, sort of thing. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So I said, "No, no, no. We can watch the OA. We can watch a couple other things." I I did for movies. I'm getting ready for our next trailer rewind and watch the Congress. So uh-huh. that was an it, that's mm. an interesting experience that I can't wait to talk to to JJ about coming up. Uh, so that's but yeah, I've been spending my time out in the theaters, getting ready for stuff we need to do, like solo. Pete. <laughs> yeah, I know. I well today, one fifteen, I'm in. I think I'm the last of the last of us, so we can start actually talking about but it. But see, so. Andy and I have jobs. You yeah. don't have like you're usually like Friday morning at like eight AM getting out to see things. I like that. I, Andy I and wish. I have jobs. I Pete, wish yeah. it was like that. Pete doesn't, yeah. you don't I, work. He doesn't have he doesn't I, have a real job. I, I deeply wish that you understood my livelihood. <laughs> you just sit around and wait for us every week. Exactly. Right. right. I've been I've been here since Saturday last week. He sits in, just waiting. He's in a booth waiting for the light to come on to say, "Okay, Pete, time to talk to the people." Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. You're self-employed. You're on your own schedule. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I have I have like 15 bosses. Steve. <laughs> that's the problem. Damn, that's uh, a lot of TPS reports. Oh, it's a lot of TPS reports. I, uh, uh, Andy, what you you caught? We've done you already, Steve. We did you, so we're ready. We can talk about trailers now. We can. Oh, but I did oh. want to talk about one thing to get oh, feedback because I I threw this out there in Discord and did, nobody sort of engaged on this. James Mangold's next thing, the Boba Fett movie. Yeah. Did you not hear about this? Are you not excited about the guy that did? I mean, look at what he did with Wolverine. Having that brought to the Star Wars universe with a Boba Fett film, am I well, the only one that's like really amped up about that? Remember, he also brought us the Wolverine. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. No, I mean, honestly, I am excited. I think James yeah. Mangold's a great director. He's done a lot of really exciting things. When he's allowed to do something, um, you know, and, and kind of play with that, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the results can be logan or 310 to yuma but he has some stuff that i'm not that thrilled about um that being said i am excited about a boba fett movie um i think it's an interesting idea it makes me wonder if he'll get to ride a dragon like he did in the uh, holiday special um (laughs) but it's not you know i can't imagine the star wars universe is ready to cross the line like the marvel universe where they're going to start making r-rated projects oh yeah so i i can't imagine it's going to be as as dark as I think it could be, and if if they went that route, I think they could make a really interesting Star Wars movie. Yeah, but I don't know if that's the vision that George Lucas um, ever had for his franchise. Yeah, I don't think at this point a lot of people care what George Lucas's vision were for that franchise. But did you hear? Apparently, he still yeah. is quite tapped in because I guess yeah. he was on the set of Solo, um, giving tips and pointers about you know, oh no, uh, Calrissian wouldn't do that. He was still, you know, <laughs> yeah. pointing pointing things out to make sure that it fits in with his vision. So I was yeah. I was uh, surprised to hear that. I, I I am very excited about a Boba Fett. Thing. I'm excited about all of the prequels and uh, Lando. The idea of a Lando prequel, very excited about a Lando prequel. I think that would be really great. I read something on Twitter that I would like to get your opinion on, uh, and I feel like this is. I'm not intentionally uh, uh, either trolling or joining the good Ben Lott, who is notoriously <laughs> anti-prequel. Yes. Uh, but this was this was from the good and kind uh, Roman Mars, who is a host of 99% Invisible and other wonderful podcasts. And he writes, I'm developing a thesis. Fandom can be so creatively constricting and nostalgia is so pernicious that studios make prequels because moving a story forward is threatening to fans who want their stories to stay frozen. Well, what do you think I that? think that's a brilliant comment, and I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at um, the the backlash that can come when people like Ryan Johnson make a 
it's you know fairly original new Star Wars movie. You know, I think it it got a lot of flack because of things that changed and and things that happened. Um, but I think given time, I think it's going to fit. It'll nestle right in with the canon like everything else, and I don't think it will be quite as contentious. Yeah, I yeah, I mean that's a brilliant insight. I think into sort of I don't want to say fear or anxiety that studios have, that fans have, everybody is comfortable with the familiar. And if you, you want, you know, a solid bet, you go with what's, with what's known and familiar to, to venture outside that, you know, you, you risk, you know, failure, but you, I mean, you also risk great success. I mean, that's the, the sort of balancing act with this of, yeah, if you stick with prequels, if you stick with sort of your, you know, frozen nostalgia, yeah, you know what you're going to get, but then you, you, you lose the opportunity to create something that's what that thing was the first time. I mean, Star Wars was something bold and new that did not exist. And that's the thing that just always baffles me when people are like, well, we, we'd like this. I'm like, but yeah, at one point that was the new fresh thing. And you are reluctant to embrace the new fresh thing because you, you just know what you like. You're going to stick with your vanilla. You don't want to try another flavor. And sometimes they right. stumble, and I think that's that's always oh, sure. going to be that's, that'll always be the case. I mean, look at the James Bond franchise. I mean, they had a lot of books to use initially, but then once they started having to write original properties, well, even even when they were doing the books, you know, some of them were were good, and some of them were pretty poor movies. Um, and I think I think the yeah. case came when they started doing original stories. They were running into the same problem. Some of them were pretty good, and some of them were pretty poor. Um, they just kind of keep doing it. And even when they decided to reboot the franchise and, and get a new bond with Daniel Craig, they still went back to the original uh, source material before they started doing some original stories. So it just uh, goes to show that it's, uh, it is a challenge to, uh, to do something new. It always is. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I, it's, I feel like this it scratches a fan fiction itch for a lot of us who grew up with these things, you know, as kids. And now that studios have money to throw toward fan fiction, I mean, it, it's that that's kind of what it is, right? These prequels allowing us uh, allowing deep fans to play in a playground um, that that already exists. And uh, um, so I'm I'm very much in favor of it, uh, and and I'm having a good time so far. So. Uh, let's see, but I love the idea and the, I uh, of of this tweet, and it's something that's really been sticking with me in the back of my mind for. Well, and I think uh, it speaks the to the fact day. that when when something is loved, everybody wants more of it, and then yeah. if you get more of it, you always run into a risk of well, now you have more. Are you happy? You know, and sometimes you are, and sometimes you're not, and that's I think that's perpetually going to be the case with all of these franchises that are just going to kind of keep going because. There's going to be just a lot of stuff that uh, we kind of yeah. we're like, eh. but you know. Well, and you want to say like I want to say it's they're taking the easy way out to do these prequels, but you know because they have a defined um, kind of endpoint, they know where they ha where the story has to land. But I, it, that's not entirely true, right? I mean, it's 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 hard to bring you know thousand people together to make one of these movies and still not have the writers and directors fired multiple times <laughs> and, and eventually replaced with Ron Howard. Like it's hard to get to the Ron Howard point on, on these movies. It's a rough and political road no matter uh, where in the timeline the movie exists so um anyhow it's yeah it's always it. a process because and uh, well we'll talk more about solo tonight but just you know the specifics of of prequels um obviously like if you take something like rogue one i mean they have specific points that they have to hit but yeah there's a whole creative element that they have to flesh out in order to get to that point so um, right. And, you know, sometimes they do uh, better jobs than others, but I generally, I, I you know, I still enjoy um, seeing what people come up with with these things. Yeah, the Fett one, uh, somebody posted a picture saying, I just, it, it was of the, the child Boba Fett holding the head of uh, Django Fett in the middle of the Coliseum and said, just start here. <laughs> that's, that's so good. I would love to see what happens next. <laughs> let's do that. Anyway, let's do trailers. Let's do it. I think we've got a red band. I think I'm, I'm the no, only one with the red band, yeah, no right? No A24s. <laughs> that's right. So Andy and I foolishly had to record a little bit early uh, last week. So the moment we finished, I feel like this trailer dropped. Uh, it is the trailer for The Happy Time Murders. You guys, The Happy Time Murders, a red band detective Muppet movie 
literally a Muppet movie directed by Brian Henson. It is foul and it is uh, okay. It's not official Muppets, it's, but they're puppets. It, boy, they, they specify them as puppets, not Muppets. I, I know, but Brian, Henson, I know. Come on, I know. Come on, you can call them whatever you want. These are silent M, uh, silent M Muppets. That's what they are. <laughs> silent so M. Silent M. No, it's yeah, a silent P, Pete. Silent, silent, silent M. And, yeah, I guess it is a loud P. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it is the story of. Um, well, see, I changed the tab. I was so excited about Brian Henson directing it. It's the story of uh, the, 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 quote, puppet cast of an 80s TV children's show. Uh, they begin to get murdered one by one, and an, a disgraced LAPD detective turned private eye puppet takes on the case. Uh, the I guess the puppet is taking on the case, and the sidekick is Melissa McCarthy? <laughs> I don't know, but a foul-mouthed puppet movie starring Melissa McCarthy. This seemed like low-hanging fruit for your trailer, Andy. I, can't I know. I'm surprised I didn't go with it. You didn't grab it. Also stars Elizabeth Banks, Maya Rudolph, Joel McHale, uh, Jimmy O. Yang, and um, uh, it's actually a fantastic and rich cast, particularly voice cast, uh, but, but those are our principal humans, and it looks like I, I laughed so much harder than maybe this movie deserved, but I laughed a lot. At this trailer, I've watched it a number of times. It is awful and fantastic. What do you guys think? Well, it's Melissa McCarthy, and I love anything she does. Um, and it's and it's Brian Henson, and I love the Muppets. I've actually been kind of starting the the Muppet franchise with the kids to kind of watch those again. And it's it's I I enjoy all of those things. And the trailer certainly makes. You're, me laugh. Are you trying to get them ready for this movie? Is that <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm building up to this one. Here? All right, kids, it's time. We got to watch the Muppet Christmas Carol <laughs> to get ready for Happy Time Murders. No, wait till you see what they do with that shotgun. Oh my goodness. This um, there uh, the thing with the trailer is I I feel like there's stuff that makes me laugh quite a bit. I think that they can they can do a lot of fun stuff telling a story like this that that uh, can be a lot of fun. There are elements of the trailer though where I feel like you know they're pushing it a little too far, and I feel like it's it's you know I hope it doesn't devolve into kind of what Peter Jackson did with Meet the Feebles uh, way back in the '80s in his early career. Because I felt like that was just, you know, dumb. That basically said, let's do a bunch of funny stuff that you'd never see with puppets, um, like behind the scenes of the of a puppet show type of thing, like the Muppet Show. And um, let's just make it over the top and disgusting. And that's what Peter Jackson did. And it was really dumb. And I hated it. This looks like it could be crossing the line into that. Um, and like the, the whole bit at the end, even though it made me laugh um, with the cheese whiz, <laughs> was... That was crossing the line for me. I was like, you know, it went on way too long. But but there's other stuff happening. And so that's why I feel like, you know, it could actually turn into something that that is actually good and and it has a darker, you know, funny story that isn't just here for for really dumb beavis and butthead types of jokes. So I hope that that's what it becomes because I really enjoy all of the elements that are going into it. Yeah, I I'm sort of where where Andy is. I'm intrigued in this as the sort of noirish detective story and i'm i'm hoping for more of that of that level of adult tale uh with yeah you get the the cd or side of things but yeah it, when things just sort of go like full-on sausage party crazy outrageous i i don't want as much of that and i know this is a trailer you've got to get your audience in there for this uh, this is a film that I've been waiting for. I think I heard about this probably about six or seven years ago. This is one that had been out there and it was one of these, oh, it's a great concept, but this will never get made because it's just who, who's going to get behind this? How can we get all of this to come together? Uh, so I'm thrilled to see it actually be realized with this cast, with this director. These are, the, I think, the right people. For this, so to me, this is the greatest potential for this film, and so I'm very excited about that. They actually started talking about this ten years ago. Okay, it was wow. 2008 when they first okay. uh, the Henson Company first announced it. Wow, I think that you guys have come here come in here sounding like grown ups, and <laughs> I 
and do not. Uh, I obviously uh, am in it for the dumb Beavis and Butthead jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and the long cheese was seen at the end. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we'll see soon enough. It's uh, It looks like it releases in the U.S. August 17th. 2018, uh, but it'll start just the day before in the Netherlands, uh, UK, and uh, roll out through the rest of the world after that. So uh, start the clock uh, August 16th. I just have to throw this out there because it's pretty interesting. The Sesame Workshop, which is the organization behind the production of Sesame Street, has actually filed a lawsuit against the people who made the movie for using their trademarks in a film they have no involvement in, involvement with, including the slogan, No Sesame, All Street. <laughs> Really? I find that interesting. I assumed that it was all kind of under the Jim Henson uh, company, but apparently the Sesame Workshop is formerly the Children's Television Workshop. It's the nonprofit that's been responsible for the production of the show. I can see why they might be sensitive about this trailer. I can see that. You know, there's another thing that's been that's been just sort of floating around the back of my mind with this. And this is the red man to your point, Andy, that it just sort of ratchets up the raunchiness stuff in this trailer. I wonder if there is a red band trailer economy that we're seeing right now. Like if you're going to release a red band, you better find a way to make it the most, uh, you know, sort of offensive stuff in the movie because there is a, you know, there's a pecking order in red band trailers now. If it's not if it's not red band enough, it's not going to get enough attention. That's an so, interesting, uh, an interesting thought. It's not I red band enough. It yeah, it's not red band enough. No. Yeah. So anyway, all right, that's me. Who's next? My trailer is a remake that I was not even aware was happening, um, which I kind of found interesting. It is, it's the remake of uh, Papillon, the uh, the the um, originally a film starring Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman uh, from 1973 based on uh, the book that came out. Um, when was the book released? I can't remember. But it's it's a true story of uh, Henry Papillon Charrier, who Charlie Hunnam plays in this new version, the Steve McQueen part. Um, he's a, a safe cracker um, who was unjustly convicted of murder and uh, committed to um, life in prison at the penal colony on Devil's Island in French Guiana. Um uh, but uh, he he forms a friendship with somebody that is a, a, you know, a kind of a surprise. He's this really quirky counterfeiter who apparently has a lot of money and agrees to finance Papillon's escapes. And, and this counterfeiter is Louis Degas, played by uh, Rami Malek. And it really is just kind of the, uh, the multiple – it's a story chronicling the multiple attempts of the uh, the – uh, escapes that uh, Papillon tries to make and all the, the trouble that he keeps getting into. I really enjoyed the original uh, film with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. I found it to be quite an interesting uh, story. And uh, um, I guess oh, here it is. The uh, It was an autobiographical novel written by uh, Henry Charrier, published in 1969, and uh, kind of details his 14 years of uh, life in the penal colony. So um, I, I haven't seen the original film in quite a long time, but watching this trailer, I, I feel like they're, they've added a lot of stuff that I don't remember from that one. So um, I, I don't know. I, I had no idea this was even something that was out there. And, and here uh, I see this trailer and I'm like, oh, check that out. They're doing a remake. And it actually looks really good. I love the, the, uh, the pairing up of these two actors. It makes for what I think is a really interesting uh, pair. And watching the two of them go through the variety of things that they go through over the course of the trailer, I found to be quite interesting. So, um, you know, it wasn't something that I would have expected them to do a remake of, but watching this trailer got me really excited. And so this is now one of the films that I definitely want to check out uh, this summer. What do you guys think? Well, I'm I'm very excited about it. I, um, I it's interesting to me. They they were making. I was I was watching some interviews about this, and they were making a, a real point to say that this is. Uh, it, it's hard to distinguish this. Uh, you know, when you see it, same name as the 73 film, but they're taking great efforts to remind us that it is based on the books. And and I say books because it's not just Papillon. It's the sequel to Papillon 2, which was released in 1973, called Banco, which is his continuing story of his life in Venezuela. 
And so they're really trying to go back to source material. I look at the trailer. I'm with you, Andy. There's a lot of stuff clearly in here that was not in the original, fantastic original movie. Um, and and so I, I think they've they've really gone to efforts to make this their own. And I think that's that's really exciting. Um, it's uh, you know because Papillon is it's a classic, uh, and um, so I I hope they're able to give this its own identity. Uh, in that light. Uh, Steve, have you read the books? I have not read the books and I have not seen the film. It's been on my list of like, mm. yeah, I mean, classic film, you know, Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. And it's just one of those that's there waiting to be watched. And so now I'm really torn with this, this one, which, where do I start? Because there's always there's the inevitable comparison. So do I do I wait and see this one, and then knowing that this is based on the source material, or do I go and watch you know Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman and set some type of expectation for this one? Now I'm I, I'm really torn because this is an interesting cast for this. Because you look at you can't compare you know casts. It, you would think if you're gonna t- if you're gonna remake something with with names like that, you're gonna have to get like big names to 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 you know live up to that caliber of film and you're you're they're not and so i'm hoping that that's alleviating sort of i guess on the business side we don't have to pay for tom cruise so we can get you know charlie mm-hmm. hunnam in this and so we can do some really interesting things that's freeing us up there's not as much invested in this so we can take some bigger risks with not having to replicate what everybody's expecting by just remaking the film, but actually telling the full story and, and being maybe more faithful to that rather than the prior adaptation. If you look at it as a screenwriting exercise, I think it's that that gets even harder. The original is a it's a Trumbo uh, screenplay, uh, and this one is Aaron Guzikowski, uh, who wrote another film that's pretty high on our list, uh, Prisoners. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in it. It looks like it's coming from solid intention, solid pedigree. Yes. Well, this movie is going to be opening here in the U.S. August 24th. Uh, it premiered in Toronto um, almost a year ago, uh, last September. But it, it actually starts its, started its rollout in Sweden, April 20th. Um, and it'll be opening in Italy June 28th. And then... Uh, uh, Germany, uh, July 26th. So those are all happening before it hits the U.S. And then after that, it'll be um, opening uh, through other parts of the world uh, from September through October. So, you know, it's a slow rollout and it's not quite everywhere, but it'll be a bit of an expansion. So uh, hopefully people will get a chance to see this one. All right, Sweden fa- uh, friends. Uh, Let us know. Think? Yeah. Let us know. Steve? Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. This I saw this trailer and I thought, okay, it had a really interesting start to this trailer because it's, it's black and it's voiceover. And then there's gunshots that are that sort of the, the flashes of the gunshots are illuminating the words on the screen. I thought, that's okay. Now you've got my attention. You're doing something interesting. And then we get Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley in a Western comedy, maybe called the sisters brothers. Um, uh, I don't know what to make of this because I'm I'm laughing, but it's a Western and we've got two like hitmen out to take, you know, after some gold prospecting. It's got all those sort of tropes of a Western that I want. But the tone is what just keeps me coming back to this one of I hope it is this sort of odd movie that has a nice balance to these two things because I've got a great cast. I've got Jake Gyllenhaal and Joaquin Phoenix and Rutger Hauer and John C. Riley and Riz Ahmed and, and Carol Kane. To me, I'm thrilled to see, you know, this cast. There's some actors that I v- very much appreciate their work. I'm interested to see what they're bringing. Uh, this is directed by uh, Jacques Adiard. I have not seen any of his work. Uh, I was I remember hearing about his film Rust and Bone back in 2012, but wasn't anything that at the time either had time to fit into my list of things or was just a high priority. But there's just something about this goofy story uh, and the way it's presented that is just it, it just stuck with me. And uh, this is does not have a release date in the U.S. other than 2018. It's got a September 19th, 2018 release date. So I 
cautiously optimistic about when this might hit the U.S. Is it going to get a theatrical release? Is it going to be something different? Because to me, this just looks like going back to our conversation about something fresh and new. This at least is presenting itself as something unlike what you would typically see in a Western. Yeah, looking, uh, having uh, only seen Rust and Bone uh, from the director, but um, but also knowing about A Prophet, um, the tone of this seems so different for Jacques Audiard. It just does not in any way seem like, next on his list, a Western comedy. It, it just, it struck me so strangely when I watched this trailer. I'm like... And I mean, you separate the director from it. I mean, it looks like an interesting film. I, I think that the concept seems kind of fun. You know, these kind of doofus brothers who are these these killers out to uh, out to um, catch this gold prospector and and uh, get a reward for him. It, it you know, it looks like an interesting story. I kind of like that vibe of it. But um, just throwing uh, Jacques Audiard in as the as the director really just <laughs> spins my head. Um, um, but that being said, it's it's got a great cast and it looks pretty interesting. So I, I want to I want to say this is going to be something good. It's based on a novel, so who knows? Maybe maybe that really kind of just has always struck a chord with him. And and you know, I think a lot of people just a lot of filmmakers are always like, you know, I really want to make a western one day. So maybe this is just his chance. I don't know. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm super in favor of this movie. I um, I hear all the speculation and like trying to guard <laughs> opinions of what this could possibly be. Uh, and and I'm I'm right with you. John C. Riley uh, has uh, his career is quite an emotional roller coaster of of parts. You know, I mean, he's 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 taken on some really interesting roles and i don't know which i can't categorize this one yeah like i can't put this one in a bucket joaquin phoenix same thing like i want to put this in a bucket but i i, I can't i just can't um it's it's like either not weird enough or too weird and uh so i'm i'm really excited but the creed bratton is in it i've always loved creed bratton he plays quarrelsome saloon guy town too <laughs> Uh, which I I find amazing because he did 180 episodes of The Office playing the character Creed Bratton in The Office, which I I would love to know the story about that uh, in particular, how he ended up playing a character named exactly himself. And here he's in a movie playing an unnamed character. So I love that that actually leads into our list for uh, today. So anyhow, I'm in favor of this movie. I'm very confused by it. <laughs> When does that uh, one open again? Comes oh, that opens, uh, like I said, I, it's September oh, 19th it? in yeah. France and then just 2018 in the U.S. So, that, again, leading to the cautious optimism of what's going to happen with this film. Schrodinger's release date. Yeah. It may already be released. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you both like it and don't. <laughs> Here we go. Let's do the lists. All right. Well, we we uh, talked about Predestination as our final time travel film uh this week and uh and we gave options to to the folks over on uh patreon to pick uh for us and uh once pete got on on board with the right uh right poll uh, <laughs> we realized so the options were um mo- ethan hawk movies movies with an unnamed main character or movies based on short stories and the voters came back with movies with uh, with an unnamed main character. So that is what our lists are going to be about today. So uh, who wants to kick it off? I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of steals in this list. I worry a little well, bit. Well, and about I, that. I did put it out to our um, to our listeners. So we've had a lot of movies thrown out on the board already. So uh, it's also possible that uh, we're going to be uh, throwing some films on our list that uh, they already shouted out, but. Um, my goal is to pick ones on my list that nobody has said yet. So we'll see if I can, uh, if I can maintain that streak. I'm going to give you a chance yeah. to, uh, maintain that streak because I, I have the red band trailer. So I feel like I should, it's not a 24, but I feel like I should get to go first, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> is that, is that a thing? Uh, it's not, but you can uh, make it one. I think it should be a thing. Starting now. <laughs> now it is. Here you go. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to start with uh, a movie that I'm almost sure is going to be a, a steal, uh, although I think it's also a cheat. Uh, does it count 
if they're called something, but that something is not their name. I think that it uh, counts. Okay, yeah, if good. it's not then their I'm name, go... they're not. You yeah, know, you're yeah. not finding out what their name is. It's right. like a nickname, right? right? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's a nickname. Okay, then I'm going to go with 2009 Zombie Land ah. uh, from Ruben Fleischer, in which uh, pretty much everybody uh, is is going by something that is not their name. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg comes in as Columbus. That's where he's from. Woody Harrelson's fantastic as Tallahassee. Emma Stone is Wichita. Bill Murray is Bill Murray. Uh, this is, uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it is uh, one of my favorites, uh, probably shortly after Shaun of the Dead uh, in the zombie uh, uh, oeuvre. And uh, I think it, they, I, I love the way they play with names uh, because it becomes a part of the identity of the movie uh, and, and of how these characters relate to the world, and so uh, uh, I, I, I think this this works very well for me. Zombieland. That's a fun one, and uh, it's a good good pick. Not a steal for me, but uh, I had thought about it. See, I, I knew this was going to be on your list. I was amazed that you had not talked about this on the main show because I thought, okay, let me check the. No, they haven't. Okay, I'm going to put this as a backup because I know Pete will grab this one. It's a film <laughs> I. It's a film I love and. Unfortunately, I'm so disappointed that this did not make it as a series. There was a pilot back in 2013. Uh, it didn't get picked up for development as a series. But I, I recall listening to a podcast interview with the writers, and this was originally conceived of as a TV show, which is where we, you know, you get those things of like zombie kill of the week, and you, the, mm-hmm. and there's so many of those things that are set up early on that to do this is sort of a shorter length you know weekly series they could work really well and unfortunately they tried it and it didn't work out and i don't know that it's ever going to come back around to that but this is such a fun film it's sort of one of our halloween go-to films around here for yes it's zombies but it's also just hilarious and an amazing cast i mean jesse eisenberg and emma stone at that point you know really not big names and i think even woody harrelson has become even more uh he's He's like the new Kevin Bacon. He's in everything now, all across the board. Um, <laughs> so, to, so to look at this and say, think at this time, it was sort of like, oh, yeah, these are some familiar-ish faces, and it's sort of this quirky genre thing. But now to look at it and say, it, yeah, it just holds up so well. Such a great pick. I love it. So who's next? I will take that then. All right. I'm going to jump out of order, and I am going to go with uh, Matthew Vaughn and pre-bond Daniel Craig. Uh, layer cake. I remember I discovered this film. I was at the library and was just picking things out and somehow ended up checking out both layer cake and stardust and realizing, Oh, I'm doing a Matthew Vaughn double feature here, uh, without intentionally doing it. This has been, it's been several years since I've seen it. Uh, I think this is one that is going to hold up. Well, when you have a story where your, your main character is sort of telling their own story, sort of like the perfect conditions for that character to not have a name. Why would they talk about themselves by name? And for me, this, I think, is probably one of those things that cemented Daniel Craig as that, you know, future James Bond. It's just a, a great action story. You've got some plot twists and so much fun with this film. Uh, I'm sure it was probably on the, the list from our listeners over there. I did not get over there, but first time i think of a film of an unnamed character this is the one that comes to mind that was a great one it's it's one of those great movies that i remember really enjoying um i thought daniel craig was fantastic in it um but weirdly like i remember nothing of the story i just remember really liking it so i was i felt a little hesitant about putting it on my list since i couldn't recall the story at all oh that's funny i um i'm absolutely with you and for some reason steve i Knew you were going to do this one. This was high on my list. It's uh, it's on my list of alternates, and I thought I'll bet Steve is going to do this one. Uh, I, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm going to kick off with mine. Uh, so far, has not been stolen, which is great. So, uh, my first choice is uh, a really, really great Clint Eastwood film that we've not talked about on the show, but something that I really enjoy that uh, that he directed and stars in. Um, and you could say that the, the title kind of defines who he is, but it's not who he's credited as. The title, of course, is High Plains Drifter, and he plays The Stranger. 
And this is a fantastic movie where he's this mysterious stranger. He rides out of the desert, comes to this this mining town on the shore of a lake. Um, a lot of uh, stuff, uh, you, you don't know, really know what's going on, but he seems to be uh, ready to kill everybody. And uh, by the time the, the end of the film rolls around, they've literally painted the town red. <laughs> he's pretty much... Uh, taking down all the bad guys. It is a really great movie. I love it quite a bit. Um, so that's my first pick, High Plains Drifter. I'm looking at at Clint Eastwood's uh, all of the parts that he has played because I think he's played more effectively unnamed characters than I can count on any other single actor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably. I, yeah, you could. I think you'd just do. And maybe Andy's going to do the Clint Eastwood unnamed character list because you could, you yeah, could right. just all you Clint could, Eastwood. You could just easily do a you know, <laughs> whole list of that. So, oh, yeah. I'm sure you probably could. All right. So my next pick, uh, I'm going to go with uh, with one that's a little bit lighter. Comes from the Broadway. Comes from the Broadway. That's where we're going to leave it there. It is The Seven Year Itch uh, starring Marilyn Monroe as... The Girl uh, in Billy Wilder's uh, film. It is fantastic comedy. It uh, stars uh, Marilyn Monroe, Tom Ewell, uh, and uh, it is uh, it's it's one of my favorites. And it is it's the thing that has the iconic picture of Marilyn Monroe, you know, on the on the street vent. Uh, but it is a it's a much funnier movie than just that moment. Um, you know, actually would allow you to believe it's it it's definitely worth seeing if you haven't seen it. and i i've run into more and more people who haven't seen the seven year itch haven't gotten those laughs i think i think uh tommy will is just uh fantastic and he was actually the one who originated the part on uh on the broadway and so um it's it's one of those fun fun movies to watch uh, uh you know if you if you're into stage adaptations as well so seven year itch the girl I have not seen that in a long, long time. I think that it was back in high school working at the video store and going through, I think it was trying to do a whole Billy Wilder thing and, and watch a bunch of his. And yeah, it's, I don't know how, I don't know what that film's going to feel like watching it now in 2018. Uh, yes, yeah, I, right. I considered putting this on my list. I put it low down as like a, a backup because I just thought, You've got Marilyn Monroe. She's the girl, and what is that really? You know how how is she treated as a, as an object in this film? And I think I remember laughing and some great comic moments to it. But I think it's probably a comedy of a specific era, and I don't know how well that's going to play nowadays. But I, I agree. It's it's definitely you know I think a great performance. I just story wise, I think this is one I'm probably going to be really uncomfortable with. Yeah, I this is one I would actually sit down and watch um uh, uh Altered Carbon with your daughter probably <laughs> before I would watch this. Uh it it does it, you know it it is it's it is of a time. It's of an era yeah. and um you know I'm I'm probably with you. I haven't watched it in a long time and my memory of it is that it is it's it's full of the sort of you know slightly tame ribald com- yeah. comedy and uh but but you're right like we're in a <laughs> We're we're in an era that that makes these particular issues and how cavalier they were with these particular issues in that period, um, you know, pretty sensitive. Yeah. So it's it's worth taking that. I mean, it's 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 yeah, it's about a guy who's has the opportunity to sort of live out his bachelor dreams when his family goes away, <laughs> and and there are these lines in it that are just sort of ridiculous. Marilyn Monroe is like, oh my gosh, what was that great line? Um, I have everything: a married man, champagne, potato chips. Looks <laughs> uh, like the world is my oyster. Like it, it's it's really ridiculous, and that they never give her a name is yeah. is you're right. It's it's a bit of a sensitive. Yeah, other than anyway. watching the the iconic um, scene where you know the the infamous moment with Marilyn Monroe on the on the grates, um, this is a film um, I watched and just hated. I really, yeah, I think it's oh. it's terrible. I think it has a terrible message, and I just thought it was complete garbage. So, so yeah, <laughs> no, that, no, when, that's my when, opinion. No, no, <laughs> no, no. So when did you see it? Oh, I don't know, probably fifteen years ago or so. Okay, but so you were in. Okay, but so you're still an adult. See, I saw this as like a teenager. So 
very different mindset approach because yes uh, yeah, yeah totally yeah, very very much so yeah have yes seen this on the other side of being married and this whole idea of like oh you know men get bored after seven years and you know are get, it's it's okay that they have this yeah oh i i agree so so i don't need to see it i've got andy there to be angry for me that's right exactly okay. <laughs> andy is your anger proxy <laughs> there we go oh god i love it oh <laughs> All right, who's next? I am going to probably steal one from Andy then. Just I did a lot of searching around to make sure that this character was not named cuz sometimes they'll they'll be named in the credits but their the name is never mentioned in the film, so I had to do a little bit of digging around just to to verify, but I'm going to go with a classic John Carpenter alien invasion movie with Roddy Piper. They live. That's a steal from me. Oh, is it a steal, a steal from... for me? Oh, okay. I, I, I thought about it, but <laughs> this is one that I, I've, you know, I, again, discovered at the video store, watched it, I think maybe four or five years ago, just wondering how well this thing is going to hold up because I just recalled such great moments in it, but then wondering, oh, it's the 80s. How bad are some of these effects? And it's John Carpenter. So it's, you never know where you, what you're going to get with him of how well things are going to hold up, but had a great time watching this again. And it's just such a great concept of, you know, a guy and that there's this whole secret invasion going on, this takeover and people are being brainwashed through subliminal messages. And I think st- still the iconic back alley fight that I think is like six and a half minutes long. Uh, still, you know, we, it's, it's great to see just sort of that brutal, fist to fist brawl we don't have you know superheroes leaping and walls exploding we've just got two guys bare knuckle brawling in a in a back alley still works really well so yeah that's uh that's my second pick they live it's such a great movie and it's saying a lot you know that's what i love about it is is john carpenter was really talking about 80s and consumerism um while making a really fantastic sci-fi film so I, I think it's a, a solid choice. So uh, so so good pick. Yeah, I mean it's, it it actually ended up as as my first alternate. So uh, I'm I'm so far my number one pick hasn't been stolen, but that was very close. <laughs> okay. All right, my All right, next Andy. choice. I am going with a. It's garbage. I hated that movie. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry, you go you go ahead. <laughs> wow, I love it. <laughs> Pre-hate. That's what I'm generating here. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear you say it after I say what it is. Okay. That'll be great. Um, This is, uh, I think, uh, even, uh, I think you could fairly call it more of a classic than They Live, um, because it was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. This is the the only film that uh, won Best Picture that uh, I think that he was behind. And it is, of course, the 1940 film Rebecca that he directed based on the novel by Daphne du Maurier. Um, it's a, it's a strong film, um, about, uh, um, the second wife of Mrs. of, of de Winter of Lawrence Olivier's Lawrence Olivier's character, uh, Max, Maxim de Winter. Um, uh, Joan Fontaine plays the second Mrs. De Winter. And the story is kind of about the haunting, uh, presence of his first wife, um, and largely how the housekeeper, uh, Mrs. Danvers, how um, she kind of plays off of that. So it's a great psychological thriller. I have a great time watching this. And Joan Fontaine, she's never credited as anything other than the second Mrs. De Winter. You really never know what her name is. And that's kind of uh, a big point of the movie is that it's just it's this uh, Rebecca's presence is so domineering that it almost makes this second wife less of a person and a uh, really interesting way that it plays out in the film. Um, so that is uh, my second choice. Yep. Tell me you hate it, Pete. Go on. I, I, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, you win this round, Andy. Uh, this easily skates over the six-star IMDb star rating. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm i a big fan of this movie. So creepy. And uh, just, yeah, it's it's wonderful. This was a wonderful part. I hate that I haven't seen it. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's one of those... You know, I, I've never done a whole like Hitchcock list. I've, I've, you know, there's, I've, I've gone into some of his earlier, you know, stuff, uh, but I've never been like a whole Hitchcock completionist. There's a whole bunch that I haven't seen, and this is one of them. And I, I know I, I need to see it, but I just, I'm, I'm not one of those. I'm gonna work through all the Hitchcock because that's, I love being able to space those out and enjoy them for what they are. And I'm concerned of 
just finding the right time to enjoy those those things so well it's it's a good one it's worth yeah. checking out so it's not it's not one of his best um i i can see why the 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 uh academy may have favored it because of the studio that was behind it and and uh you know it's based on a classic novel it's kind of got a lot of that gothic romance and that thriller aspect so i can see why they got behind this one over some of his other ones that might have been a little more genre um but it's still it's still as well worth watching and i think hitchcock has a strong hand with it so check it out i cannot i cannot believe we have made it this far and this movie uh, i i feel like if it's going to be a steal, it's probably going to come. Uh, it would have come from Steve. I am so proud that I have been able to sneak in with Nail and I from 1987 to this list. Bruce Robinson write, written and directed one of my very favorite, besides Hudson Hawk, one of my very favorite Richard E. Grant performances. Richard E. Grant, Paul McGann, Richard Griffiths. Uh, in this film, uh, the characters uh, Richard E. Grant plays with Nail, Paul McGann plays Ellipsis Ampersand I. He plays the character and I. Uh, and it is the story of uh, do-nothing, know-nothing bohemians, uh, and they go on an accidental holiday, and things go very, very far sideways for them. If you're fans of The Young Ones, if you're fans of that sort of British comedy uh, that is both crazy and deeply, deeply sort of heartbreaking. Uh, this is a fantastic film for you, 1987, with Nail and I. I adore this movie. I think it's interesting that technically his character is named Marwood in the published screenplay, but as far as the film itself goes, um, he's never named. He never named, yeah. I've never seen it. Neither have I. What? Yeah, I know. Oh, you guys. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. It's, it's well, always been something I've wanted to check out, but I've just never gotten around to. Well, uh, you know, it's worth it. But, well, you know, what do I know? I like Seven Year It. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably crap. <laughs> it's probably crap. <laughs> I'm going to go with the film that made me fall in love with Robert Rodriguez and Selma Hayek. I'm going to throw out Desperado which is the sequel to El Mariachi. This is a just a wonderful <laughs> mid-90s exaggerated action movie with, you know, machine gun and rocket launching guitar cases. And you've got uh, just a hilarious little sequence with Quentin Tarantino. You've got uh, Cheech as the bartender. So many great things in this movie. You've got Steve Buscemi as Buscemi. It's a great little monologue at the beginning to... to start things off uh this is one i just had such joy seeing on this big screen uh when i saw it the first time and said this guy i can't wait to see what he does next he knows how to entertain and just ratchet up the violence to like comic book levels and do it in such a fun way rodriguez is one of those filmmakers who i love that he has a passion for um for making films with as little money as possible and finding a way to uh, you know, creatively tell stories um, on the cheap so that he can, uh, you know, make more money for himself and for the studios. But um, I feel oftentimes his stories are left by the wayside. And that's, I think, his weakest, uh, his weakest element in almost every one of his films, unless it's an adaptation like Sin City. Um, I do remember, though, early on finding that this film was quite a lot of fun. Um, I haven't seen it probably since it was in the theater, but I do remember um, thinking it was fun and thinking that he did um, kind of do something a little more than what he had done with uh, El Mariachi, which was was an interesting case study, I think, for, uh, you know, selling your body to science and then making a movie with the profits. Um, it, it, it wasn't a complete success of a movie except for that aspect of it. But I think that this amped it up and I think he did a good job proving that, hey, if, if he can't tell a good story, at least he can make a movie that's fun to watch. Oh, yeah, I had a great time uh, watching this movie. And I, I think it's probably to your point, Andy, because I didn't think about the story very much. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It is so much fun on its merits. And and I, I almost I was very close to just doing, uh, you know, El Mariachi, uh, Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico and just go with the, the, the trilogy, the trilogy yeah. for my list. Right. It's it's worth seeing them all. So uh, uh, for for a reason, even if it's not a, you know, a reason that is all too apparent in the narrative. So uh, super fun. Well, for my final choice, um, I, I'm stuck with two. Um, I think I'm going to have to go. It's They're both Tom Hanks related, 
Um, I think one of them is is likely less popular though. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna skip it, even though I think it fits better. Um, only because the character in the movie that I am going to talk about, I, I have a hard time arguing him as uh, a main character. I would say he's a strong supporting character that I think uh, certainly um, is prominent in the story because um, uh, he's one of the one of the members of the band. This is that thing you do. Um, Tom Hanks's uh, first film uh, directorial debut. Um, it's it's a really fun. Uh, musical comedy uh, about kind of a, a band that uh, that makes a one-hit wonder and skyrockets to popularity and then tries to figure out what to do with it. Um, Tom Everett Scott is our lead, and he is, of course, Guy Patterson. Uh, the character, though, that is uh, never named is the bass player, played by Ethan Embry. Um, and technically, he's credited as, I think, TB player, but that actually stands for the bass player. So he doesn't really have a name. And um, I guess that fits, even though he's not quite the main character. But I still think it's uh, it qualifies because it's a lot of fun. I haven't talked about it on the show before. And, uh, you know, it's this is a movie that I think everybody would love. It's just a it's a nice film. It's it's fun. It's a, a it's a nice story. And uh, yeah, it's that, that's the one I'm going to go with. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> worst movie ever. No, not worst movie ever. I mean, it's it's it's. This is one of those. Yeah, it's a light, enjoyable film. It's something that if you know, back in the days when I had cable TV, if it if I was just flipping channels and came across this, I'd stop and just you know watch it. It's a it's a you know straightforward you know rise to fame and all the you know challenges that come with that and it's it's got a good cast you know entertaining it's it's not one that is like one of my favorites that i feel drawn to have to watch but it's one that yeah if it's on i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it because it, it it's entertaining and it's it's a fun story i mean the just you know there's so many great little quotable moments in it uh that make it entertaining you know they're their little wordplay in their name that they're the wonders, but it's like, what is it? They <laughs> the call the O-Neaters. The O-Neaters, yes, exactly. Yes. Oh, that's good times. This is a funny movie. It's I don't think I've ever met anybody who doesn't like this movie when it comes up in conversation, you know, uh, that the number of people who like this movie is is undisputed. Like, people seem to like this movie, movie, but I have met a lot of people for whom this movie has become the movie they put on to just ease their soul, right? It's the movie that they put on Anytime when they're sick, it's a sick day movie. They've seen it hundreds of times. It never reached that point for me. I enjoyed it. I think I've seen it twice, maybe, um, and and I enjoyed it. Um, but but it never reached that point for me. That movie is Ronan. Like I watch that movie uh, all the time, and <laughs> well, I just yes. love it so so much. Uh, and and I don't I I don't. It's it's undisputed champion of sick day movies for me, and so. Um, anyway so that's that's that thing you do i i want it's one that i want to love more because i know how many people that i that i like and care about actually love this movie so much and i've just never quite gotten there uh, yeah and i think that's fine i i, I do love though that it's a film because i think when it came out it was seen is seen as oh it was entertaining it was it was kind of forgettable entertainment but i love that it's actually kind of found this audience and it really connects with people and so you know yeah. I, I think that says uh says something about the movie that it can really kind of keep uh keep a life um long after it uh, came out so um but anyway that's uh that's the list yeah. everybody um looking at what people threw out over on discord we've got the driver which uh i was going to talk about but uh, nick langdon threw that one out along with uh andre tarkovsky's stalker which i still haven't seen Oh, um, the road has been on the list. I think Martin Tilkvist uh, threw that one out as soon as we put the uh, the poll mm-hmm. up. Um, Layer cake was mentioned. Mother, Twelve Angry Men. I was going to talk about oh. the Russian the Russian version of that. Twelve, but uh, Twelve Angry Men made it. And of course, Kill Bill Volume One uh, was mentioned. Um, Hero, which we've talked about on the show. The truck driver in Duel. Um, Fight Club, which we've also covered on the show, and then The Beast in Beauty and the Beast, and uh, which uh, I had on my list, and then Once from John Carney, which also was on my list. So. Uh, okay, yeah, Once made my actually, I Kill Bill made my list, but I, I think we find out her name right. Only so that's this, why only I guess it's only two. Kill Bill yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I thought that was still fair yeah. if she's not mentioned. Yeah. She's always bleeped out in the first one. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, right. So. That's right. So okay. 
Fair enough. Yep. Those are there's some, some great selections. I love the Beast. <laughs> I it's it's true. I was I I, I didn't yeah. think about that, but then um yeah. I, I was reading online and and somebody threw that out. I'm like, I guess that's true. You never yeah. find out what the yeah. prince's name is. You he's only ever the Beast. <sighs> that counts. I think that's great. Hashtag Me Too. Uh, Let's give him a name. Come on, people. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was debating okay. putting Reservoir Dogs on my list, but I wasn't sure if that was fair because I mean they're, oh, it's they're all, all nicknames. Yeah, nicknames. They're all nicknames, yeah. but still, I'm like, oh, they're not yeah. named, but technically, you know, I don't know. I was a little torn on that one. I think the I, I think though doesn't um, well. I know Walter Hills. I think is probably. Um, I think that's the best it, yeah. because that's probably the best one because they're all those kinds of names: the driver, the detective, the connection. I think that's every great. character, every character, yeah, in that every movie. character. Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, excellent picks. What's so? Wait, what's next? I don't know. The list so, you already did. Yeah, that's void. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're doing Ocean's Eleven, uh, the original 1960 film, um, uh, next uh, next week, and the options are heist comedies, movies with mu- musicians not acting as musicians, and movies with numbers in the title. And sequels don't count. So far, the poll is leading toward heist comedies, but Patreon. Members, if you have not uh, gotten your vote in yet, head on over and vote so that we can uh, see what we're going to talk about next week. Outstanding. Thank you, everybody, for downloading, listening to this show, for um, uh, putting up with us, <laughs> for stick- <laughs> sticking around. Uh, we sure appreciate it. And uh, thank you for supporting us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the next reel. Um, thank you for, for helping us continue to do what we do and figure out new ways to, to grow the show with your support. And we sure appreciate it. Uh, that's it. I got to go get ready for solo. Yes, you do. Thanks, guys. Andy, Steve, talk to you next <laughs> All week. Right. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, everybody. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.